Planning a mission trip for your group can be really hard, so we created a super simple process to make it easy. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to the Student Ministry Podcast. If you're a youth pastor, small group leader, college pastor, or even a parent, this podcast is for you. Whether you're looking for tools and resources or encouragement and wisdom, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to the Student Ministry Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. This is the second episode of the podcast, but it's the first interview we're doing, and I am super stoked to bring you the interview because we've got an incredible guest that I think is going to give you lots of great wisdom. Excited for that. Before we dive into the interview, would love to ask a huge favor from all of our listeners. If you could do me a huge favor, head on over to iTunes or or whatever podcast app you're familiar with, and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. That's the only way to guarantee that you never miss a single episode. If you are subscribed, every time an episode goes live, it gets delivered directly to your device. In addition to that, if you're willing, would you be able to head over to whatever app you're familiar with and leave a review for the podcast? Those are a big, big deal because the more reviews we have, the further up the search rankings uh, we will appear and and the more people that we can reach. So you leaving a a five-star rating and telling the world that you love the podcast by leaving a review is a big, big help. If you can head over and do that, that would be great. Thank you in advance. All right, let's dive into uh, the interview for today. I am incredibly excited to bring you this as our very first interview. Uh, Today we have Cameron Cole, who is an incredible veteran in the youth ministry world. He's a director of Children, Youth, and Family at Cathedral, Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. He is also the chairman of Rooted, which is a great gospel-centric youth ministry website uh, that I want to highly recommend you guys check out. Uh, he uh, has been a contributor at Gospel Coalition. I actually had a chance to hear him speak at the Gospel Coalition last year here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, him and his co-speakers in that workshop were absolutely fantastic. They have a new book out, actually, him and some of the guys he did that seminar with, uh, that breakout at Gospel Coalition. They've got a new book out uh, from Crossway called Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, A Practical Guide. And we're going to talk quite a bit in this episode uh, about what it really means to lead gospel-centric youth ministry and how do you really practically allow that to take place uh, in your student ministry. Cameron Cole has a tremendous amount of, of wisdom uh, for you, and so I'm excited to bring this to you. Without further ado, my interview with Cameron Cole. We are on the line today with Cameron Cole. He is the co-author of Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, a practical guide, new book out from Crossway. Glad to to chat with you, Cameron. How are you feeling today, man? I'm doing well, Kenny. Uh, you know, to just affirm that I am in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm drinking sweet tea while Come we're on. having this conversation. So, and, and I'm sure you'll be having Chick-fil-A for lunch at some point this week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Barbecue, actually. I've, uh, I've mentioned Chick-fil-A on a few of my other podcast episodes, and some of my listeners in the North say, you know, we don't, we don't have Chick-fil-A. Stop teasing us. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, excited to have you uh, on today. Cameron, just, uh, just for our, our, our guests to kind of catch up with who you are, take a few seconds and tell us a little bit of your story um, and, and kind of how you ended up where you are today. 
Yeah, well, you know, a little bit, I'll tell you a little micro version of my story um, and, and kind of what I do now. I am a kid who, um, I had a real conversion when I was in the third grade, and after that, my understanding of Christianity was you need to trust Jesus to go to heaven, and then you need to try really, really hard for God. Mm. And uh, I was a performance junkie uh, from uh, junior high, high school, college, graduate school, and you know, my theology of, you know, that I very much embrace or internalize as far as Christianity as a, a cult of performance, it really kind of drove me to the point of just about a nervous breakdown when I was 22. And that's when I first came to really understand the gospel of grace. I had a pastor who said to me that, you know, the gospel's rest. The gospel means that Jesus carries the burden of your life. And the gospel means that you will never have to prove yourself again because Christ is proving you on the cross. So, uh, I was, you know, honestly, and I look back at my life before I heard that message and before I really owned that message, I was really a pretty miserable kid. I had a, on outwardly a very, what looked like a really pleasant life. I was, I did well in school, I did well in sports. I had, you know, a good group of friends. I had one of my class offices, went to a good college, all this kind of stuff. But I was really a miserable person. And uh, ever since then, since really knowing the gospel of grace, I've really just been set free and healed. And um, this this kind of rest of the gospel and the joy of being in Christ has really, it's just completely changed my life. And so so as a product of that, I'm, I've, I've been very passionate about, uh, about youth ministry and kids understanding the gospel of grace as early as possible. So I've been in youth ministry now. This is my 11th school year. I've worked at the Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, as the youth director, I'm now the director of children, youth, and family. But my congregation is still still young people, and I uh, I'm the founding chairman and, and the kind of director of a ministry called Rooted, uh, which promotes gospel centered ministry to young people. Uh, and we, um, you know, Rooted, uh, we we have an annual conference. We have a, a blog that publishes four articles a week. And um, and we have just a, kind of a network of people around the really around the world um, who are trying to do gospel centered youth ministry and who support one another. So that's um, that's just a that's kind of a little bit of what I do. So like super excited about what God's doing there, and really excited. I, I had the chance to hear you and your co-author speak at the Gospel Coalition uh, at, at a workshop last year, and it really felt like you guys brought some really great stuff. I, I am a youth pastor by trade. I have been in youth ministry all of my adult life the last 15 years. And uh, and in my opinion, there's so few resources that I would say are are, are, are truly gospel-centric. Um, mm-hmm. There's so few for youth ministry. So the fact that this book has, has come out, I think it's going to be a great, great resource. So I'm really, really excited. I don't mean that to be condescending to the resources that are out there. Um, they're just, in my opinion, don't fall as gospel-centric as I would like them to be. Sure. Uh, and so I'm really, really excited. One, one of the things I really want to have a conversation with you about today is the is the topic of moralistic therapeutic deism, um, and I, I think I think a lot of our preaching and a lot of our philosophies within churches as a whole fall in this category, but particularly within youth ministry. And so I want to give you the time to kind of unpack what is moralistic therapeutic deism, and and how does that really impact our student ministry and our philosophies as we approach students. Yeah, well, you know, the term moralistic therapeutic deism comes from the book Soul Searching by um, Christian Smith and Melinda Lundquist. Uh, you know, gosh, about uh, a decade ago, 
And you know they they were studying the religious lives of teenagers in the United States, and they basically used that term to uh, to to synopsize and describe the theological understanding, you know, what kids thought Christianity was about. Um, they they understood it as you know moralistic as a, as a set of behaviors, or I think you know the the sticky faith people at Fuller describe it as the Jesus jacket. Basically, it's a set of rules that you follow. It's a code of behavior that you put on. And then, you know, therapeutic kids kind of saw, you know, religion or Christianity as a way to bolster their self-esteem or kind of meet their felt needs. And then deistic, they didn't see God as a sovereign God who's actively involved in their lives. And they saw God as, uh, you know, someone who's there if you have a real problem that you can call on, but not a sovereign God who's, you know, actively uh, redeeming and ordaining every every moment of your life and who's walking in you and walking with you. So... So that was kind of the descriptor, and you know, I think that uh, Kenda Creasy Dean, uh, her book Almost Christian, is just a perfect title because she she in, in her book you know writes about the same issue, and she says that you know the the religious beliefs of of you know church going teenagers is almost Christian, but not actually, and so. Basically, it kind of you know there 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 had been a tremendous amount of research at the turn of the century that kind of indicated that youth ministries were being, were very ineffective at retaining students and forming lifelong followers of Christ. And part of the you know the second wave of research would looked at why it found that the theological content of youth ministries was not not really uh, consistent with biblical Christianity. It's just basically a, a pep rally where kids were told to not drink and not smoke and not have sex and be nice. And some emotionally driven songs were played and kids were motivated to be good for a week. And um, and kids, kids were not being equipped with a biblical worldview. And they definitely weren't coming out understanding the core message of Christianity, which is that Christ died for sinners, that God loves sinners through through Christ, through the cross. And so that's a little bit of what moralistic therapeutic deism is in a kind of historical context. Now, some really great uh, information and insights. And so what, what I hear you saying ultimately, and we talked about this a little bit offline, um, you know, just really, and even with your own personal story, you know, there, there are, we have teenagers and students by the loads that are coming into our youth groups, coming into our, you know, youth services, whatever you call them uh, in your context. And they're hearing messages, but they're not hearing gospel-centric messages that are really sticking. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're finding that in a lot of cases, we're probably wasting a whole lot of time, energy, and money um, and really missing opportunities, more than the resources. We're missing opportunities to really preach and, and build disciples and really make disciples of of young people. And so man, I really want to ask you about how, how do we kind of take a gospel-centric mentality and, and as you said you know, if you said it's the opposite of moralistic therapeutic humanism, how does that really impact in certain ways in our ministry? So, so kind of the, the first one I said, how does this really impact our preaching? When we come to teaching and preaching, how does it shift if we're really going to be gospel centered? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think that it's helpful to kind of unpack what is meant by you know gospel centered. And, and and like you said, I think you know the kind of the key is is really the message. And you know, I think that if nothing else, when a kid finishes in your ministry, they need to understand that God is a fountain of mercy mm. for sinful people, 
for depraved people. And they need to know that when they have a moral failure, that the first person they can run to is Christ. Right. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there was a November 2014 interview that Kara Powell did with Christianity Today. Uh, Kara is the um, director of the Sticky Faith Institute at, at Fuller Seminary. And they asked her, what's the, you know, basically the strongest indicator of whether a kid will stick or not? And she said, they're, they're, um, she says, you know, it's hard to, to boil it down to one factor, but she said the, the amount of clarity that a student has about the gospel, and in particular, grace. Mm. You know, does a kid understand um, that Christianity is first about what Jesus has done for them in his life, death, and resurrection, uh, and then understand what we do for God as a response to that? Um, they, uh, an article, I'm pretty sure Chap Clark wrote it, um, but it's, you know, basically they kind of say that uh, a, a majority of kids, when asked to find the gospel, define the gospel as what we do for God, like our commitment to God. And that is just, you know, the, that is inconsistent with the message of the Bible. Like if you look at the Bible, the first two chapters are basically about creation. Chapter three captures the problem, which is sin. And the rest of the Bible, the next, you know, 1,000 60 some odd chapters after that are about God reconciling mankind to himself ultimately through Christ. Right. That is the story. And it, it, and you know the and if you also you look at the gospels, you look at Jesus's message, you know, Jesus does not talk about ethical principles a great deal. And now obviously Moral, the morality and ethics are a huge part of Christianity because that's part of how we love God and we love other people. Uh, but the, the, the primary thrust of what Jesus was trying to accomplish was to reveal, people who, to real, reveal to people who God is and to help them understand how they're reconciled to God that's right. through his grace and through his mercy. And so, um, so if a kid comes through our ministry— um, we need to make sure that if nothing else, they understand what the primary narrative of Christianity is, and that, that is the gospel that Christ has died for sinners. And, um, you know, I had a, one of my first long-term Bible studies. I led, I led a group of students for three years, and on the last session we had, their senior year, I asked them, I said, guys, what is the gospel? And none of them could define it. And it was this incredible sense of failure wow. <laughs> that I had. And so I, I was like, I'm, I know that they kind of know the principle, that each of them know the principle that if they get a DUI or they get thrown in prison or whatever it is, that, that, that you know, God, God is a God of forgiveness and that because of Christ, they can confess their sin to God and be forgiven. I knew they knew that, but I was convicted like, man, this is, this is a, an epic fail. <laughs> wow. So from there on, I, I open every Bible study. I say, guys, what is? I ask them, what is the gospel? Come on, that's good. And then I say, is Christianity first about what we do for God, or first about what God has done for us through Christ? And they, you know, and they they have to, and they define it every single time. And um, you know, not to, I don't think that there's this magic bullet where if a kid can, you know, give a formulaic response that they're going to be a disciple and they're going to lay down their life for Christ. I know that's not true, but. I just want to make sure that the most important thing is accomplished, that they right. understand the, the primary of, of Christianity. Man, I love, love, love everything, everything you just unpacked. Um, 
he, you know, at our church locally for for quite a while, we used a uh, a curriculum, a, a very well known national curriculum. That's a really it's got a lot of great packaging. It's got the you know the what you post on Instagram and a letter you send to parents, and it's got the small group question. I mean, all the the bells and whistles you would want for a youth ministry. It does this so well. But my frustration always was we got to the the actual message notes. And I and I frequently would go to my team that you know the the communication team were rotating. I'd say, guys, here's the thing: this is not gospel centric. This is a list of how to be a good sibling this week. Mm-hmm. This is a whatever, whatever. And 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 those things aren't bad in of, in and of themselves. Um, I said, but but my goal is not for a teenager to walk out of here and understand the best three things I got to do this next month to be a better brother. Like that's I don't I quite frankly don't care if they're a good brother. Like that that's not it's not on my radar. I said, so, um, so I want you to, to change this message and make sure it's gospel centric. Um, you know, use that old Spur- Spurgeon beeline theory. Like, you know, we, 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 we highlight a text and we make a beeline for the cross. Like how, what, what the, what am I teaching about the cross? What is the gospel message? And so I love, love, love what you're talking about. Um, and in essence, every single time you're speaking to teenagers in whatever context, in every context, the, the essence of the gospel message, the essence of the gospel of grace needs to be at the fore, at the at the center of everything we're talking about. Yeah, and I think, Kenny, I think the theological failure of youth ministry historically, I think youth ministries have been pretty good at evangelism of preaching justification, of helping kids understand that you cannot get to heaven through good works. You can only get to heaven by uh, trusting Christ to forgive your sins and by having a personal relationship with Him. And and so, I, I you know, I, growing up, heard that really consistently. Um, however, what what we need to the, the improvement that needs to be made is that kids need to understand how the gospel applies to the Christian life. In Colossians two, Paul says, "As you received Christ, so walk in Him." So that same dynamic, you know, you think about just taking Colossians for example. You know, that is a letter that is all about who Jesus is and what He has done in the gospel, and. It's to Christians. You know, it's to a Christian church. Right. This is not to a group of, of unreached people who've never heard the gospel. It's to Christians. It's the gospel for believers. And so I think that in terms of a kid's sanctification, in terms of, you know, their moral decisions, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of how they live their life and how they worship God, the gospel, um, the gospel is the catalyst for that. Um, the, the gospel, and, and when I'm saying the gospel, I'm not just talking about the message that Christ has died for their sins, but I include in that, you know, benefits of the good that flow out of the gospel, like union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, things like that, all of the kind of benefits of salvation. But, you know, that just needs to constantly be in front of our kids such that they understand that, you know, it's not that the cross was just to get you into heaven and now you live a good life. The cross is the thing you you run to and that you go before every day uh, in order to grow right. in Christ and mature in your faith and um, and to be you know me more committed and and hopefully um, be a repenting person who's seeking to you know live a more moral life. That's man, that's some really really great stuff, uh, Cameron. I want to ask you about some other specific areas. How does this philosophy of really being gospel centered um, and and not embrace and not living out a moralistic therapeutic deism in, in our youth ministry. How does that really impact the idea of suffering? Like w- when we correspond with a teenager mm-hmm. or student that's facing some 
some form of pain event in his life that's tragic or whatever that looks like, when they're facing suffering, how do we minister that that teenager or that young person differently when we're more, when we're being gospel centric? Yeah, I think that you know the starting point for anyone to become a Christian and the starting point for anyone to grow as a Christian is them understanding their need, understanding that in fact they are a sinner who is desperately in need of God's grace and mercy. And uh, they understand that they are a person who cannot live their life on their own. Like they are, they, the, the only way life is going to work is if they are trusting Christ daily. And, you know, it's just one of those things where most people don't uh, embrace that theoretically. Mm. They, you know, they, it usually requires uh, a moral failure or a breakdown or a tragedy in our life before we really understand that, before we experience that. And so I think that, um, you know, we want to continue to preach that message so that they know it. I think a lot of what we're doing in youth ministry is just building trust and positioning ourselves so that when a student, uh, when a student enters into suffering, we are a trusted voice that can remind them of God's grace and God's commitment to them through Christ, uh, even though they've blown it, you know, even though they have just, you know, even though they've got their girlfriend pregnant or they got caught with drugs or, you know, whatever, or they got busted cheating, whatever it is. And so, um, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times we can see suffering as, uh, we don't, I, I, I hate to sound, I don't mean to sound manipulative, but, we should kind of see it as an opportunity, right? Um, for them to for them to uh, ex, you know kind of experience and internalize the message uh, because they're actually starting to to like not just in their knowledge but in their experience realize that they do need Christ. Man, that's really really good. Uh, I, I love the I, I love kind of your philosophy there. A few episodes ago, we did an episode. Um, talking about uh, the guy who's caught the most baseballs at, at baseball games, and uh, you, know, you can do some quick research on him. We did an episode on him, but he he kind of just positions himself at every ball game. He does the research and he just strategically puts himself in a position, and then he's got to get lucky. He's just got to he's got to be kind of it's got to be a moment. But but you watch video clips of this guy, and the ball goes right to him every time. And so he catches a foul ball or a home run oh. ball in almost every game. And we would say, how do you get so lucky? And I saw an interview with him on, on a late night talk show. He was on Conan O'Brien a couple years ago. And, and they asked him, you know, how, how do you get so lucky? He goes, well, it's not just luck. He goes, I've, I've put the work in. I've done the research. And I've put myself in a position that when the ball comes, it's gonna just ha- I'm going to be there waiting for it. And mm-hmm. I, I've kind of taken that, that approach in youth ministry. Like, like I recognize I'm, I'm not going to be able to manufacture the moments. That, that's, that's God's yeah. job. Um, but, I, but I just want to position myself. To, to be the to be the one that's there when they need someone, um, you know. Yeah. Hey, they've known Cameron for five years. He's been preaching gospel truth, and he's loved them well. And all of a sudden, they, some, you know, crap hits the fan, and there's your opportunity. And so that's a really cool philosophy. Well, I think one thing I would say too, Kenny, just as like a a, a, a measure of whether or not our message is, uh, you know, consistent with the gospel is. Is what I am preaching kids, or what do I what I am teaching kids? Is it something that's actually going to give them hope and comfort 
Mm-hmm. Um, if behind the scenes they're struggling with something really, really bad, or you know, we've all had these tragic moments that we've seen in families. I had, I had a student who both of his parents died in a plane crash. Wow. Same day, he he goes from being a, you know a 19 year old with you know two great parents to you know effectively an orphan overnight. And so you have to ask the question: Is what I'm teaching kids going to give a hope a kid hope in that moment? And you know, like telling a kid just be nice and not to drink and not to smoke. Look, that doesn't do anything for a kid who has to attend the funeral of both of his parents on the same day. Yeah. And so I just think that's a good kind of. Uh, measure of accountability to ask ourselves is what I'm, what I'm offering hopeful and comforting to a sufferer. Man, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, last question I want to ask you about the philosophy that we were talking about. Man, some really, really great stuff, Cameron. Uh, you, you mentioned offline um, that you, when you guys are doing events or you're, when you're out in the community, you don't promote events. Kind of unpack what you do and why you don't do what you don't do. Sure. So I think it's really important that the that the way that we relate to students, the way that we approach them, uh, reflects the message that we teach. Um, that there's not a contradiction. And so, uh, you know, I kind of I noticed early on in youth ministry how I think a, a common practice is people to use contact work or, or out in the community as a way to kind of. Uh, promote their events. You know, they see a kid like, oh, hey, come Sunday night or come to Bible study, things like that. And I would do that myself. I can remember seeing a student once who uh, she needed me to like do a sign a service form for. She didn't come around youth ministry very much. And anyhow, so I signed her form and I kind of did, did her a favor. And she's like, okay, well, I'll be there on Sunday. And I got a sense of like, this kid thinks that my acceptance of her is contingent upon whether or not she attends. Wow. And so after that, I just started to think like, gosh, and, and not to say there's, I mean, there are certain times where it is a very much like a, um, a gospel <laughs> driven move to invite someone. If there's someone who's you know, out on the fringe, who feels excluded to invite them into community is very much, you know, a, a Christian biblical thing to do. And at the same time, I started to become very careful about not doing a whole lot of promoting when I was doing my contact work. So the kids would know that my love for them, my acceptance of them was not dependent upon their participation. And so, um, which that is, you know, the gospel is that God loves us irrespective of our, of our performance. He, he loves us in the good and the bad and in the midst of all of our failure. And so, um, so that's just a, that's just an example of how a gospel mindset kind of carries over into the way we do ministry. My mentor, when I first got in youth ministry, said, your theology will drive your methodology. Yep. What you believe will be reflected in what you do. And so um, and so, I think that uh, that's just an example of how the message of grace has kind of influenced, you know, a practice where we just kind of have a general rule that we just don't, we don't do any promoting. We're out in the community and we're, we're meeting with students. And that's some really, really, really great thoughts. I'd want to encourage anyone listening to this to really just take to heart some of the, some of the words that Cameron has shared. And, and again, I think you said a great job, great job moment ago, Cameron. Like it's not those things in and of themselves are not bad and not necessarily always inappropriate. Um, but we just want to make sure that our theology is being shouted through everything we do. That that people know that we really believe the gospel, it, it, even as something as simple as 
how I fill out a service form or how I correspond with with a girl in that moment, you know, taking the opportunity to really demonstrate that. So that's some really, really great stuff. Uh, the book that Cameron Cole and John Nielsen have written, Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, a practical guide. They cover all sorts of topics in the book, um, everything you would possibly need to do youth ministry in an effective manner with a gospel-centered philosophy. I want to highly, highly recommend pick up the copy uh, pick up a copy today. It's available from Crossway, obviously, wherever books are, are, are sold. You can check it out. Um, any additional resources, Cameron, that you would that you would say, hey, any additional books or blogs that people ought to consider if they're really trying to study this topic? Sure. You know, I um, this is uh, I'm a little bit biased in this, but the Rooted blog, uh, which is at rootedministry.com, uh, is it's just a really strong blog. Uh, we have about 70 different writers and we, we publish four articles a week. And basically, we're trying to think about everything in youth ministry and everything in youth culture through the lens of the gospel and through the lens of scripture. So, you know, we run, run series on all kinds of things that youth ministers struggle with or that teenagers struggle with. And, and we always are explicitly engaging scripture and the gospel. So uh, I, I recommend that blog. I also recommend the Rooted podcast that, that, that has recently been released. And it's a mixture of talks from our conference, um, which we, we you know host each year. This, this coming year will be in San Diego in early October. Michael Horton will be our keynote. Um, but, uh, but the podcast too is, is another good resource. And one other thing I would say too, I think that, you know, if you're just kind of getting started in this stuff, uh, new light, new growth press has a curriculum called gospel in life for teenagers. And it is a tremendous curriculum. Uh, it's, it's one of the few curriculums where you don't have to edit it. <laughs> um, and, and it really, in terms of just understanding the basics of, the basics of the Christian life and of living in the reality of, of the gospel, I think it's a really I think it's a really strong resource. And what is that again? Say that say that again. The name of it and where it's from. Gospel and Life for Teenagers, and it's it's produced by New Growth Press. Fantastic. We will make sure that all of the resources that Cameron has mentioned here are linked up in the show notes of this episode. So you can head over to our website, studentministrypodcast.com. Find the episode with Cameron Cole, and we'll have links to all of that, including links to his book, so you can check it out there. If, if you're driving, you can't write that down. Cameron, for someone listening to this that wants to kind of stay connected to you or just wants to know all about all things Cameron Cole, what's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> um, the best way to do that is to Google police records, Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the best. I've done, I've done <laughs> hundreds of podcast episodes at this point. A different podcast, and that might be the best answer I've ever gotten from anyone. <laughs> no, or, or, or track my wife's Facebook page now. Uh, no, I, you know, honestly, I um, I don't have a Twitter, um, but I, I do write for the Gospel Coalition a fair amount, and uh, you know, writing about youth ministry and, and the lives of young people and Christian parenting, and I write at the the Rooted blog as well. So that's um, check that's, out the Rooted blog. Yeah, that's the least controversial place to find me. Got it. Sounds great. Cameron Cole, thank you so much for, for taking time out to invest in, in, in our audience. This has been a really big deal. I think it's going to be incredibly valuable. So thank you. Thank you, Kenny. I really enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you. 
And there you have it, my interview with Cameron Cole. Man, I felt like he dropped some uh, some great bits of wisdom, and so hope you enjoyed that, and that was a great resource to you. I want to highly encourage you to check out uh, both the Rooted Ministry blog as well as Cameron's book. So Rooted Ministry, you can find it. It's just rootedministry.com. It's a great blog. It has some podcasts, a variety of articles and resources you can check out that is really geared toward uh, serving people in student ministry. And then, of course, they have the annual conference that Cameron mentioned. And, and then uh, I would also highly, highly encourage you to grab a copy uh, of Cameron Cole's book. Uh, he, him and John Nielsen are the two general editors and primary uh, contributors, but there's, there are multiple contributors. Really great book on gospel-centric student ministry, what that really looks like. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Again, it's just called Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, A Practical Guide. You can pick that up, obviously, anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon bookstores, or you can head over to our website, studentministrypodcast.com, look at the show notes for this episode, click the link, and that'll take you right over to where you can pick up a copy of the book. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful to you. If you have a topic that you think we ought to address on the podcast, or if you'd like to be interviewed on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. It's Hey Ortiz at studentministrypodcast.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at studentministrypodcast.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music for this podcast has been Actionable by Ben Sound. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been the Student Ministry Podcast. Oh, my God.